佐久間、なんと今シーズン第3戦、キャリア4勝目を勝つ、チェッカーフラッグが待ち受けます。さあ、アラバナ He walked for miles inside Aragon's pit of danger. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Yes, this totally isn't a Bautista related version of the show. Honest. Honestly. Isn't that right, RJ, as you currently walk alone through your bed? I'm in control here. And you're going to give me what I want. I keep pressing the button to give us more quotes of Bautista just spitting into a microphone. You know what it is. Give me what I want. I just can't stop pressing the button. Give me what I want! Yes, unfortunately, that is definitely a thing. Um, hey, I'm your host, Andre Harrison. Welcome to episode 186 of Motorsport 101. Well, we ought to call it the catch-up edition because we've got a lot of catching up to do. Um, also, holy shit, was Bahrain a sad face. Um, <laughs> honestly... Trains finally recovered. <laughs> barely. It took me a whole week to, um, to stop crying, basically, on this one. My tear ducts are now in pain. Um, they still are in pain, to be fair. Um, mostly because of Kofi Kingston's WWE Championship win. Um, although, to be fair, those were happy tears. <laughs> but, uh, I'm a sad boy. Um, <laughs> I'm still a sad boy. Although, props to Mr. O'Connell editing that. I had no idea that intro was planned until the first time I put it on. I was going to put it on early access. And I was like, oh god, it's me. It's me basically having a breakdown. Like... <laughs> It wasn't just you, it was our entire extended family of our supporters of this wonderful podcast all coming together to see our hearts ripped out and thrown upon the ground and stamped on. Oh, Lord. Remember, kids, no matter how much you love F1, F1 does not love you back. <laughs> Let me just remind you of this very painful statistic as I totally... You know, crying to this bucket of ice cream. Yeah, consider professional wrestling, one of the skeeviest, carniest businesses that never gives us what we want, has been kinder to us recently than has Formula One. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> Don't ask me how. But here we are, folks. With me, as always, I've already mentioned RJ O'Connell walking alone in his bedroom, trying to come up uh, with uh, more genius Batista quotes. In the meantime, Ryan King is currently looking for his spotlight. Duct tape? Oh. Are you serious? Do, do, do we let the crowd know that uh, Batista, in fact, did not defeat Triple H at WrestleMania? No, it was very sad. Although he, he was threatened with... Um, Apply it to the eye, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> but uh, King demands his spotlight. Unfortunately, King is also not retiring into the sunlight. Or should that be spotlight? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not retired. I'm not retiring. Yeah, and we're if not I, getting Baron Corbin to retire you either. It's by <laughs> no. everybody's wishes that it should be John Cena instead. But those wishes were actually right. Yeah. <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Meanwhile, like, in the week I've not been here, both of you guys have actually been on other shows. I feel dirty and betrayed. But uh, here we are. King, tell the good people where they can find you. Uh, they can find me, obviously, at Ryan Eric King on Twitter. But 
Uh, yeah, by the time the show comes out, the episode will be released. I'll be on the debut episode of Chain Bear F1's quiz show. <laughs> yes, the second F1-related game show that King has been on in his long history of the internet. <laughs> uh, again, I feel cheated on King. How did, how did you like ruin the sanctity of our marriage? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he just slid to my DMs and I was like, sure, I'll do it. Listen, we're all about open relationships. It's a matter of healthy and respectful communication. That's that's what you need. <laughs> RJ, you can't talk. <laughs> Air your dirty laundry. Um, you can find me on Twitter at RJ O'Connell. Uh, about, a, about this time a week ago, I was having a discussion with some gentleman from England named John Heindaw about Super GT. Hmm. And you can listen to it on the archives at radiolama.co. You'll see it. It's the Super GT 2019 preview. Um, I'll, I'll say in all honesty, um, if you're coming over from that show to listen to this podcast, because I plugged it uh, shortly after it was recorded and broadcast the world, uh, thank you so much, and we sincerely apologize in advance. Yeah. Anyone, anyone that's tuning in for a nice, clean hour and a half of motorsports, um, you're probably tuning into the wrong show. There is um, much more uh, <clears throat> post-watershed content here tonight. <laughs> yes, you can't see it right now, but Ryan King has just lowered his pants and started doing the helicopter. Um, <laughs> I love how you said, lowered his, then your internet cut for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? We should, we should probably just keep that in. Oh, Lord. Or just put a bleep over it so they'll never know what we're talking about. Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> I was like, and then that was quite a propeller. Um, <laughs> only those that listened in on our Patreon server know exactly what was implied. <laughs> Have fun with that, folks. <laughs> but in the meantime, places you can find us real quick when we're not talking about wrestling and post-watershed content. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101 and there's actual videos on there now. Huzzah! Go me. Yeah, um, you've yes. got one more thing to plug too. <laughs> yes, but I'm not cheating on my own network. <laughs> you dirty bastards. <laughs> hey, we are not the monolith here. <laughs> This is also true. Yeah, for $250,000, Zach Brown and James Allen, you can pay me to stop talking. <laughs> how much, King, how much is in the Motorsport 101 piggy bank? Not $250,000. Bollocks. <laughs> in the meantime, yes, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Well, I made a new video today. It's a, it's like, if anyone's ever liked the old school era of me and my Harrison 101 YouTube channel when I was doing Dre TV and talking ad-lib about all funny things in motorsport and, and like mostly terrible things, um, <laughs> it's back, uh, kind of, only in vlog format and via a new capture card. See, I have an Elgato HD60 in the corner bedroom, it was, it was literally growing dust. 
Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought, let me use it for something useful. And it turns out it makes for great background material. So in that video, I talk all about the rise of Charles Leclerc, the issues with Sebastian Vettel, Ferrari, and what happens when really, really crazy narratives collide in one 60-minute tied-up video package. Thanks to everybody who's watched it. You guys seem to really like it, so there'll probably, probably be more of that in the near future. Um, I'm going to try and make it a weekly thing. If something interesting is worth talking about. Because apparently you guys seem to really like it when I ramble about this shit. Don't ask me how, but here we are. Um, we're, on, we're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter, as mentioned, at Harrison101HD. At Motorsport underscore 101. Um, at RJ O'Connell and at Ryan Eric King. That's with two Ks. Um, and our website, Motorsport101.com. And if you really like us, you could back us financially on Patreon. Patreon com forward slash motorsport 101 last week's episode went up for everybody on there last week so apologies for having nobody access for 184 it was quite a uh, that week i was on holiday believe it or not the the, the vast beautiful sunny skies of nottingham um it was it was it was an exciting holiday um <laughs> but in the meantime that is up for all patreon backers regardless of support but normally it's five bucks we'll get you early access to all of our shows, whatever they may be, and $10 gets you into the exclusive supporters section of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Big shout outs as always to Cam, to Jason, to Brian, and he specifically mentioned, oh yeah, Brian, I'm, watching, I'm listening with my girlfriend Amber too. Well done, Brian, you've dragged more people into this hellhole. Have fun with that. And Black and Mild is there too. We are not we are not responsible for, for, for poor content. Um, also, big thanks to our brand new Patreon backer as well. I love Mertis became a ten dollar Patreon backer as well. Yes! I sincerely apologise if I if I butchered your name there, but uh, get in touch if you want to join our server and all that fun stuff as well. I would just like to also proudly announce that with that we are now at record numbers for both Patreon backers. Twenty four of you now. Holy cow. And in terms of just sheer money brought in, we're fully transparent about that sort of thing anyway. But mad, mad, mad support recently. So thank you all so much for that. We're at the highest we've ever been. Um, thank you for supporting us financially. It really, really does help more than you know. Those SoundCloud renewal bills are expensive. <laughs> but, uh, after this quick musical interview, we're going to play catch up and then we'll be back to talk about... I'm just checking my notes here. Last week's MotoGP Grand Prix in Argentina. Well, well, well. MotoGP in Argentina, we're going to get this one out of the way real sharpish because uh, it, it was last week and I'm sure you guys already love it. Yes. I lo it's, uh, it's, what, what? it's not last week tonight. It's the week before last week tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, and no WWE segments in sight. But thank God for that. But well, we yes, started the show out talking about wrestling. Yeah, see, we got it out of our system already. <laughs> well, clearly not, given how we just started this segment. But hey, it was, it was worth a shot, wasn't it? <laughs> We're just going to be making puns throughout the entire show now, aren't we? It's just, it's just not going to leave, is it? <laughs> but in the meantime, again, Cam, whose now new username on Discord after shout out is Porsche Save Me From This Hell after last week's Bahrain Grand Prix. Well, if the boot fits, I suppose. He, he nicknamed it the, the, and I quote, the MM93 hashtag Super Ultra Mega Beat'em Down. 
Now, see, kids, I normally have a three-tier system when it comes to this. There is the beat em down, there is the super beat em down, and then there is what Mark Marquez did in Argentina. If anyone's ever played Killer Instinct, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Ultra! Oh, dear. That was that was an almighty clobbering, eh, RJ? I, I only got to catch a few laps of it, uh, admittedly. Uh, but, man, from what I did catch, Mark has looked in control to, for the whole race. He started from pole position, never relinquished the lead. Uh, despite the best efforts of Valentino Rossi and Andrea Davizioso behind them, once Rossi and Davizioso really started fighting each other, that allowed Marquez to just check out like he was at the express lane at the local Tesco. It, it, it is quite funny because like Marquez has like dominant. Like we, everybody knows when they go to Argentina, Marquez is stupid good round here. Like he is completely busted. But the last two, three years have been riddled with controversy and whatnot. Well, we all know what happened last year. <laughs> um, one of the most chaotic races ever in MotoGP, where Jack Miller is the only man on the right tyres. He only gets a 50-metre head start as a result of an entire rule change discussed on the fly, <laughs> with uh, the team's like literally like lobbying around Camilo Esperalta, not knowing what the hell to do. Um, Marquez... Marquez's bike stalls on the grid. He, tr he literally has to reverse it back into place. The stewards don't know what to do about it. He has to go for a ride-through penalty. He probably still had enough pace to win, but then he literally rams Alicia Spagaro and Valentino Rossi off the road. <sighs> it's it, it was beautiful. It was arguably the messiest race I think I've ever seen from one man. The red mist totally descended. Um, he crashed from the lead the year before that. Um, he's been dominant around Argentina, but he also just has a strange knack of finding ways not to win <laughs> around Argentina. Not so much this time. A win by 9.8 seconds, and he was already showboating going around the penultimate hairpin on that final lap. It could have easily been 14-15, quite frankly. He was doing his best Bautista impression. Um... <laughs> Basically, um, he, he had he was he was riding the last corner one-handed, and he was already like on his feet celebrating around the final short corner over the line. But uh, the highlight was obviously most, probably most likely Valentino Rossi and Andrea Davizioso getting into a dogfight for second. Which wait, I'm just checking my notes here again. Dovi didn't win the last lap showdown. Um, what just happened, everybody? What just oh, happened? Rossi got it. I thought he had the cheat code bike. I thought he had the cheat code bike. Yeah, the cheat code bike is like the one. This is like the one place where the cheat code bike doesn't really work. And trust me, like Ducati will gladly take third place here. They've always struggled around here, and Dovi's never gone particularly well um, round Argentina. I remember last year he was he was unluckily taken out by Alicia Spagaro, who dive bombed him at the hairpin. Um, Paul Dovi got collected and was never seen again. And let's not forget what happened the year before that when Andrea Rianoni, again, dive-bombed him and took him out of the penultimate corner on the final lap. But uh, maybe Dovi was a bit tentative on the day. <laughs> but uh, yes, as RJ mentioned, Valentino Rossi, who, let's not forget, turned 40 two months ago. <laughs> Second. What Yamaha problems, they say. <laughs> well, not so much Yamaha problems, more a case of... Valentino Rossi probably, like, masking Yamaha's problems. But, hey, that's always fun. 
But uh, Ovi was in third on that one. Jack Miller in four for Pramac. That's a hell of a result for them as well. Um, Rounding off the twins for top five, Alex Rins. Danilo Petrucci in sixth. Takanakagami, I think that's a career high finish for him in seventh as well. Yeah, um, um, Vinales was yeah, Vinales was up in seventh up until the final lap of the race, and then all of a sudden he wasn't. Yeah, he was taken out by uh, by a extremely late break in Franco Morbidelli um, on the final lap, who basically plowed into the side of him. They both went down. Maverick, being the very good sport that he is, like like even like wasn't even angry. He just he, he just checked whether Frankie was okay. Bless him, a lovely bit of sportsmanship there. Even though I would have been pissed if that had happened to me, uh, I'd be pro- I'd be probably starting an episode of Fight Club rather than checking if the other man's all right. But uh, yeah, they took each other. They took each other. They took each other. Ugh, I can't speak. They took each other out. With Takanakagami being the benefactor who took seventh place, and Fabio Quattararo in eighth. Yes, his pace is real. Alicia Spagro in ninth for a pretty. That's a great result for them. Paula Spagro in tenth for KTM. Cheer King. Uh. <laughs> Where's your enthusiasm? Don't That's you dare <laughs> be sour. <laughs> that is that is my enthusiasm for KTM. Like look 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 at it this way, King. It's tenth. It's the best that KTM will probably finish this year. But we got third in the season finale last year. What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> that was last year. Today is now. <laughs> uh, look, it's, it's not a good sign when I was literally seeing on Instagram today uh, like an interview with Johan Zarco talking about I will bring KTM into play. Dot dot dot. But it's gonna take some time. <laughs> Tell your boys to stop running Tredis framed chassis and maybe we'll get somewhere. <laughs> he was just ahead of uh, the the baby boy on the Tech 3, Miguel Oliveira. A great ride for him in 11th place, his first career points in GP. Did anybody hear what happened to Jorge Lorenzo? Um, ooh, ooh, this, uh, this result <laughs> doesn't look good. Um... I'll tell you what happened to Jorge Lorenzo, which didn't exactly help, because he did make Q2, and he did have a decent grid slot, Lorenzo, but uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but on the start line, he accidentally put the bike in wet mode. Ooh. Rather rather than launch control. The old, uh. the old Indie Lights Felix Rosenquist special. <laughs> you took the oh, words right yeah. out of my mouth. <laughs> he pushed the wrong button! <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he never really recovered from that point there. He finished in 12th in the end, ahead of Cal Crutchlow in 13th place. Um, who, did you see the controversy with Cal, everybody? Oh, I haven't heard about this. Yeah, what what has, oh. what has Cal done? What has Crutchlow done? Well, Cal jumped the start. Oh. Not like Ed Jones jumped the start, right? <laughs> We'll get no. to that later. <laughs> it, <laughs> not quite. Um, it was it was a doozy. So hey, here's the thing. This is because I've, I've talked about this before on Bike Life a couple of years ago, right? Mm. This is a tricky one because to the naked eye, it really doesn't look like Cal Crutchto jumped it. Um, now this is one of these things where different sports have different rules when it comes to launches and starts and whatnot. I've, I've talked about this on Twitter at the time. I compare it often a lot to, to track and field in athletics, where in a, for example, this is most prominent in the 100 metres, in a 100 metre race, any reaction considered less than 0.1 after the gun goes off, which is fired electronically for measurement's sake, 
is considered a jump start because the, the natural human reaction is about a blink of an eye, which is about a tenth and a half of a second. Anything less than a tenth is considered you try to jump the gun, basically. And in athletics, that's now an instant DQ. Uh, in F1, we saw it with Valtteri Bottas last year in Austria, where his reaction to the lights was about 0.2 of a second, and he just about got away without a penalty from Charlie Whiting. Um, this, like, MotoGP, it's different. In MotoGP, it's zero. Like, like in other words, if as long as your bike doesn't move before the lights go out, you're fine. So, and I've always said this is kind of controversial because theoretically you could try and jump the start, and you can't be reward, and you can be rewarded for it without punishment because there's no dead zone after zero. It's a bit of a weird one. So I, um, I guess the FIM kind of see it as a risk reward system that if if you're just trying to anticipate the lights going out and you get it wrong. It's under, like, you're pretty much, your race is in our hands now, because you took that risk and you lost. Pretty much. Um, yeah, pretty much. And, I, again, this came up a couple of years ago when Andrea Rianoni at Mugello had his first career pole position. He, he kind of jumped the start. The thing is, the reaction of the bike to the lights was 0. 0.000. Yeah. <laughs> He was on the money, and he was not penalized for it. But obviously, um, I see the other side of things where it's like it makes it not uh, a test of skill, but a test of luck. Yeah, and and Ian Oney was the luckiest man on earth that day. I want his <laughs> lottery numbers because um, he 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 effectively jumped in the start, but he but the timing was absolutely on the money. Um, Crutchlow did not technically jump at the start, but what he did do was his front wheel was leaning, was rocking back and forwards just before the lights went out. Um, now, under the, it's a very, very harsh rule, but under the letter of the law, you are not allowed to do that. And that is classed as a penalty. That is a jump start, and according to the rule book, a jump start is a is a ride through penalty. Now I'm pretty darn sure MotoGP speed limit in the pits is only 50 kilometers an hour, so you're riding down a very long pit lane at 31 miles an hour. It's it's a, it's about the same as a 30 second penalty, roughly. Um, and yeah, for me, given that the rule book has changed, obviously with there's more stewards, there's more video refs and and whatnot. Um, yeah. The punishment probably doesn't fit the crime now. Um, I don't think, like, a, a ride-through penalty is, uh, is is worth a jump start to me. Like, especially now we've got long lap penalties put in place. Yeah. Um, and dropping positions and whatnot has now been a thing, and time penalties have now been implied in MotoGP for quite some time. I don't think a very harsh 30-plus second ride-through penalty is a fair um, punishment for a jump start, personally. But, hey, all the Brits got really mad about it on Twitter, which was actually quite funny. But according, but according to the letter, I mean, Race Direction did actually put out a video 
um, showing Cal's jump, and it do you could see he does rock the bike back and forth on his grid slot. That's not allowed. It's it's a, it's a stonewall penalty, unfortunately. Although Cal Crutchlow was mad, mad salty about it afterwards. I remember they I remember had, they had Gavin Emmett interview him on the, on his way back from the stewards office, and he literally put Freddie Spencer on blast. He was like. Freddie doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't read the rule book. I didn't jump the start. I don't know what he's talking about, etc. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we got salty Cal, which I thought was quite funny. But uh, yeah, his race, his race was uh, one of his better races. Was uh, ruined with a quote-unquote jump start in thirteenth. Pekka Banyai struggled in fourteenth, and King's other boy Johan Zarco rounded off the points in fifteenth, ahead of Effie Siren and Andrea Iannone in seventeenth. Five non-finishers: Maverick Vinyas and Frankie Morbidelli took each other out on the final lap. Johan Mir had a technical problem, four laps from the end. Um, and Tito Rabat and Karen Abraham both sadly crashed on that one. So, quick look at the championship, real quick. Marquez now leads by four. Over Andre Davizioso, 45-41. Valentina Rossi now third on 31. Alex Rins on 24. And Dino Petrucci on 20. Nice. Fun times. Very nice indeed. Quick shout-outs as well to Moto2 and Moto3. Moto2, fun fight in the midfield. Like, Lorenzo Baldessari was pretty much in complete control of the race itself at the front. Never really pulled away completely, but uh, was comfortable enough to have that 1.2 second winning margin over Remy Gardner. Remy Gardner's really put it together on these new uh, these new Triumph Moto2 bikes. He was yeah. another, like, middle-of-the-road guy beforehand, but uh, he's really he's really coming on strong. Uh, Wayne's kid's kicking ass. Nice to see a second-generation guy come through. It's great to see. Um, Alex Marquez rounding off the podium in third ahead of Ike Laquona and Marcel Schrotter and Brad Binder who was given a one position penalty after the race for aggressive I think it was called unsportsmanlike riding mm. he made a lot of very aggressive overtakes um, on that one so yeah he was actually knocked back into sixth place instead of fifth so if anyone ever reads the timing sheets and says, why is Schrotter ahead of Binder despite the fact he was a tenth of a second behind him on the timesheet, they dropped Binder one position, basically. Luca Marini, seventh. Jorge Navarro, eighth. Vinaya Bastianini, ninth. And Sonkiat Chantra in tenth. Great result on the year. Nice. Bike there for Thailand there. And our, our boy, the rain god, Karidam Pawi in 13th. He got some points too, which was nice to see. Um, as well, Baldassari leads the way in the Moto2 Championship with a 17-point lead over Remy Gardner now in second. Marcel Schrotter third, Alex Marquez fourth, and Tom Luti fifth. Moto3, before we get out of dodge on this section, Jaime Masia gets his first Grand Prix victory. Um, also, I love this kid already because I don't know if anyone saw it on Instagram. Man has a Macaulay Culkin design on the back of his helmet like Kevin from Home Alone um, I don't know what the reference is somebody feel free to email the show if they know um, but uh, I, I thought that's a very strange helmet design but I actually quite like it <laughs> but uh, he got his first ever Grand Prix victory I'm pretty sure Darren Minder went from I think 20th to 2nd um, Nice to see Brad's little brother have a good day as well in second place. And Toby Ar Arbolino rounding off the podium in third ahead of Nicolo Antonelli, Ayumi Sasaki, and Gabby Rodrigo um, on that one. Also, shout out to Albert Arenas, who took a bit of a bang in that one as well. Unfortunately, he's going to miss 
the, the circuit of the Americas this weekend after having surgery. Sigh. Get well soon, kid. Get well soon. And, of course, the top um, 17 covered by 2.350 seconds. Moto3! Pretty much. Like, it, it, when, when that's, like, the secondary story in a Moto3 race, you know it was pretty crazy. It's like, yeah, that's just pretty much the norm these days. Yeah, yeah. Entire points covered by two seconds. As you do. Romano Fernati didn't get in the points and was 2.2 seconds off the victory. Of course. Sods are law, <laughs> innit? Sods... Sod's goddamn law. Um, Kaito Toba still leads the championship with 31 points. It's anyone's game here. Lorenzo Dataporta, the early season title favourite, has on second on 29 points. Jao Masia in third now with 25. Nicola Antonelli fourth on 21. And then a freeway tie for fifth between Darren Binder, Aaron Canet, and Marcos Ramirez, who are all on 20 points each. Um, what, definitely watch Moto3. Moto2 was alright. GP was alright. Um... T- yeah, definitely a fun time for all involved. And yeah, seeing a Mark Marquez ultra beat him down is ne- is actually surprisingly quite scintillating given how close GP tends to be these days. Definitely worth a watch. After this quick, quick musical break, we'll get back at it with Honda's Indy Grand Prix of Alabama at Barber. And I wasn't there for it. I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I couldn't be there to enjoy the race from the Ferris wheel or the stands, but I hope I was there in spirit to watch something kind of unexpected. Not just a Takuma Sato victory, but a Takuma Sato pull to win victory like it's the 2001 British F3 title. I love that Sato even mentioned that in his post-race like interview, and he was just out of the car. I was like, "Yeah, I was like, I was watching back in 2001 in in Junior Formula." I was like, "I was like, yeah, that was hilarious." I was like, so like so in other words, like Takuma was thinking the exact same way you were, RJ. Um, give yourself a pat on the back, sir. Well played. But, Holy uh, shit! Takuma Sato dominated this race. Yeah. Dominant, led pretty much from lights to flag, and untouchable all weekend long. Had you know, qualified from pole position, and basically didn't look back. Um, it was it was also crazy enough that we had an all RLL front row with him and Graham Rahal on the front row, and no Penske for the first time. I want to say since Long Beach 2014, I think was the stat that there was no Penske in the fast six, which is just ridiculous to even just consider that that's a thing um just amazing but uh yeah no no like the penske's in general bar one pretty struggleicious out there but uh yeah it was an rnl day and takuma sato led the charge on that one a dominant lights to flag victory yeah the only real time that sato looked under threat was about five laps to go where he desperately overcooked it going into turn eight uh, and took out a huge chunk of the underfloor of his car uh, sliding through the grass and you're thinking oh man he's got Scott Nitson bearing down on him for that first barber win in 10 Ooh. tries and you're thinking oh man how is Sato gonna hold on but Ditson didn't have enough in his tires and Sato was able to handily win this one he did. I mean, yeah, Takuma did make that big mistake at the end. It only, it only cost him about 0.7 of a second. I mean, when your luck is in, it's in. And, and yeah, Takuma just could not get it. 
I want to say that's Scott Dixon's sixth second place it's finish his, at Barber. Yeah, and it's his eighth podium in ten races at Barber, and he still has not won a race here. <laughs> Dixon must be getting really sick of this shit. <laughs> I mean, you feel you have a good chance in front of you when you see the leader in front of you slide off the track and you think, now we've got a chance, and it just didn't work out like that. He had half a chance, he got up to second place, he overtook Seb Bourdais and just could not find a way through, just did not have the pace to do it. Nobody did, really. Um, just dominant stuff from Takuma all the way through. Um, lights the flag. Now, I, I have to mention this, like, uh, just, just a side note. You alluded to this, RJ. Mm. So tell me about the start of the race. Oh, boy. So... Towards the start of the race, uh, we had some accordion effects towards the uh, the back of the grid, um, and Ed Jones in the number twenty Ed Carpenter racing car uh, realized that he that he had two options: he could either slow down and risk getting checked up on, or he could avoid the accident by just pulling over to the left. And as the field up accordion up, Jones just pulled over to the left and <laughs> passed about eight rows of cars. <laughs> Genius! Why didn't I think of this? <laughs> it was a slam dunk jump start. It it certainly wasn't deliberate, but no, it was. I mean, you I could kind of see where he's coming from there. He didn't want to he didn't want to risk plowing into the back of a train of cars and causing something worse. I'm surprised they didn't wave off the, wave off the start when that was happening. I, I was looking at that and honestly thinking it was like the, like like Edge must have been thinking, well, now I'm here, like <laughs> might as well just go. <laughs> might as well just put my foot down and see what happens, right? You are reconnecting to the server. Please wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Um, King, tell me about your man Simple Day. Oh my god, I don't know. For some reason, it felt like this was you know that that weekend of the year war. But Bourdais is going to pull out a win. He's, he's, he's going to do it, right? Right? Dale well, Coin strategy when everybody <laughs> wanted to go to three stops. Because uh, it's not because of fuel. It's because Barber's a heavy tire wear track. Dale Coin and Bourdais stuck with two stops. And it yep. worked out. They finished in third. Yep. Oh, dear. <laughs> Like, it is classic Dale Coyne alternate strategy shenanigans, and it works beautifully for Seb. Um, riding that two-stop strategy to third. Um, shout out to, as well to RJ's beloved native from Tennessee, Mr. Joseph Newgarden, who did not have a good qualifying no, at as, all. As we mentioned, uh, first time none of the Penske's got into Q3 since in five years. And Joseph Newgarden starting from 16th, but he charged all the way through the field to finish in fourth place. A terrific points day for Joseph right there. Can I just say as well, the way he passed Alex Rossi by sticking his car right on the apex of the hairpin at the end of the race. Karma. Such delicious, sweet karma. After all the times Alex Rossi has done that to other people, about time he got one for himself. Beautiful. We'd love you, Joseph. You're the boy. <laughs> you're, you're a good boy. You're my favorite. <laughs> was, he's quickly becoming my favorite too. The way he's going, that's some good shit right there from Joseph. Um, so yeah, I, like that could be one of those drives we we look back on if Joseph wins the championship. Days like days like Barber could be one of the days where he won it because that was a, a scintillating drive, and that's why he's comfortably championship leader right now. First, second, and fourth for New Garden so far this year. Can't complain. 27-point lead. 
27 point lead. Can't moan at all. Um, Alex Rossi has mentioned round enough the top five. Another solid day from him. Um, top uh, top Andretti as well. Can't complain there. Um, James Hinchcliffe in sixth place. Good good weekend from him in general. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, not quite the, uh, the, the the ones quite able to convert it during race trim, but uh, a good day all round, I'd say, for SPM with him sixth and teammate Marcus Ericsson in seventh. After he started twentieth, uh, Ericsson was Marcus nowhere could... in qualifying. Ericsson had a great day, a great day. One of the drivers of the weekend, um, absolutely. Marcus Ericsson was was fantastic. He drove very very well indeed, and uh, yeah, for all those all those guys about saying about how a bad F one driver he was. Another one of these guys that seems to be able to shine in IndyCar because he's looked darn good. Remember, from that's Netflix's original series star, Marcus Erickson from Formula One Drive to Survive. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't all end up in F1 forever, you know? You can, there's other series they race in too. Expand your horizons, Netflix folk. It's fun. Um, Ryan Hunter-Ray was in eighth in the end ahead of Simon Pagino in ninth. He was in the wars all day long with, with Felix and his teammate, um, Will Power, 10th and 11th respectively. Veach at the Beach was 12th. Jack Harvey, 13th for the Michael Shank car. Um, Marco had, had him in 14th. Santino Ferrucci in 15th place. Pado Award. My word, the man can pass. <laughs> did, did anyone see the roundy outside of the hairpin? I did. I did see that. He, he realized he didn't have Graham Rahal to dunk on. Might as well get Felix Rosenquist round the outside at Charlotte's Web for a change. <laughs> and it's a shame he only got 16th place out of that. I know, right? Such So disappointing. But uh, brilliant, uh, brilliant overtakes from uh, Pato Award. If he's not having a great day on the track, at least he's being entertaining. That's off the battle. Spencer Piggott in 17th, last guy on the lead lap ahead of Tony Kanaan. Um, in 18th, Ed Jones, the jump starter himself, um, <laughs> in 19th place. Um, Matt Laced in uh, 20th, ahead of Ben Hanley in the Dragon Speed car in 21st. Chilton, a very lonely 22nd, but hey, he's a Detroit Red Wings fan now, so that's nice. Yeah, and uh, when you consider that Matt Chilton had uh, nosed it going into pit entry at the same time that Graham Rahal's oh. car stopped, glad he finished. Yeah, can I just say, why the hell did they keep the pit lane open during that? That was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, Chilton apparently was just trying to make sure that he didn't stack it on top of Tony Kanaan, and in doing so, he just nosed it right in the car. All this is Graham Rahal's car died on the backstretch after it started second, so potentially a great points day for Graham. Nothing to show for it. Got it. Devastated to hear this. Um, yeah, so as Chilton was 22nd, Ray Hall just had a terrible day at the office in 23rd, and Colton Herter, who had, mecha- who had mechanical problems early on, never really recovered from that. Yeah. Um, he was in 24th in the end, and last of all the runners involved. Sad times. Um, but uh, also, another Black and Mild in the chat goes, but yes now, Sato, though. Yes, yes now, yes. Sato. He is yes, getting better with age and you start to feel how much were the struggles that he had late in his time with AJ Foyt down to him or down to AJ Foyt racing. I'm thinking it's more of the latter. Because ever since he's gotten this time with Ray Hall Letterman, he's been doing awesome. 
he has. He really has, like, made that team his own in, in his time he's been there. One of 500, you know, that's his, that's now his his third race win since joining that team. Second. Um, uh, he did win second, it. He, it did win the 500 with Andretti, but this is his second win. Of course, he, his ah. first came with in Portland where, you know, he came out of nowhere, but this one was different. He just dominated the whole race. 74 laps yeah. led. Yeah, got the bonus three points for leading the lap and leading the most laps as well. And got and got greeted by Mall Santa himself. (laughs) Oh, was that? Are you you referring to David Letterman, or as I like to call him now, the world's creepiest Santa? (laughs) Yes, Uh, David Letterman has stories to tell about the time he saw Grateful Dead in concert in '71. That's the kind of look the man's going for. I, 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 I've never understood this. Like, why did Letterman suddenly go all like village hobo after he quit his TV show? Why not? He's retired he now. Yeah. He doesn't have to keep up appearances. Man, just let it all hang out. Like, holy shit! He's got he's now got a beer belly, a Santa beard. He's bald on the top. Like, it's just man. Just like, I have to kind of respect the man who just he just does not give a shit anymore. It's. It's hilarious. Maybe all um, ages gracefully, as David Letterman has. Well, that's one way of looking at it, I suppose. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, look at, let's, let's take a quick look at the champion standings real quick. Joseph Newgarden, as mentioned, 125 points. He has a 27-point lead over Scott Dixon in second. Like, Dixon is never outside of the top two anymore. Jesus. Just does not go away. <laughs> Takuma Sato now third with 91 points in third. Alex Rossi in fourth with 84. Colton Herter, or as he likes to nickname himself now, Big Chungus. As he says, <laughs> oh, Lord. Chungus on his helmet for long beats. <laughs> there's, there's a joke there somewhere about having Chungus on your helmet, but I'm not going to make it. Um, <laughs> But uh, Colton in fifth in the 88 Hardenstein Renegade in fifth. Nine points ahead of Ryan's boy, Seb Bourdais, in, in 72 points in P6. Who's a point ahead of my young man, James Hinchcliffe, King? Move over. <laughs> Never. We're going to have to fight now, you know that, right? <laughs> Hinchcliffe versus Bourdais, one for the ages. Apparently, maybe you'll actually make a 500 this year. But uh, Hinch on, on seventh of 71 points. Ryan Hunter Rain eighth on 66. Who's level with Will Power? Who's been on pole position for two out of the three races so far and uh, is still here. In in ninth ahead of Marco Andretti in tenth on 61. A point ahead of Felix. Who's a point ahead of Simon? Who's a point ahead of Graham? Who's a point ahead of Jack Harvey? It's a close running thing. Still early days in IndyCar, but uh, King, what did you make of the race in general? Ooh, it felt average for IndyCar, which, in the grand scheme of things, pretty good. Yeah, I'd say the uh, generally good race, Barbara Motorsports Park, again, defying the, the logic when IndyCar first showed up here that, you know, this is this is not a track for cars to race on. It's a bike track. No one would ever be able to race competitively here. And as it turns out, it's been good racing. This maybe wasn't the best race that they've had compared to some classics like in 2015 or Sitsteam. But, you know, it was still fun as hell to see the drivers just wheeling the cars around through these tricky, undulating corners. And there was still some good action to be found throughout the field. <laughs> I, I can't disagree with any of that. I mean, despite some of Sky Sports' technical hiccups, they, their qualifier was a sham. Sound cut out everywhere. But besides that, it was a fun weekend. A uh, bit of a middle-of-the-road IndyCar race, which is still a good race in general by the general scheme of motorsports. Yeah. So, hey, what's not to like? 
Um, a, a, a good race by all by all accounts. Ah, crap! It's Long Beach next. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we got a stack weekend coming up to talk about later in the show. Oh boy, that's going to be fun. And also, shout out to Black and One in the chat. He goes, Plus, Marco had a fuck you Santino pass around the outside. Yes, he did. Thanks for reminding us of that one. That was a very good pass. Like, that was the long straight towards after Charlotte's Webber. He just yeah. stuck it around the outside of him through the, the right left right complex. Yes. That was beautiful from Marco. The best bit of driving I've seen him had since like 2006. Decisive um, maneuvers from Marco and Dretti. Sorry. I'm sorry. When did Chris Cook invade the podcast? Give me encouragement. Security. <laughs> um, <laughs> while we remove Chris Cook from the building, um, after this quick musical interview, we'll be back to talk about World Superbikes and the Bautista bomb heard around the world again. Did we all just do that together? That was beautiful. How could you stoop so low? Duct tape? Are you serious? Because that's probably what you'll need to put over these Dugati Panigale V4 engines to slow them down. Yes, kids. Surprise, surprise. And you're going you're gonna to be shocked when I tell you this. Alvaro Bautista won all three races at Aragon. I'm just cutting to the chase right here, folks, because uh, it's ugly. It is ugly. Um, Bautista run race one by 15 seconds. He won the sprint race by 5.7 seconds. And then he would win race two by a mere 6.8. He must have really been phoning it in on that one. He must have seen the nice girl on the stands or something. Um, <laughs> he led every uh, he led every lap of every race. Yeah, I think it was you who said earlier in the year, just wait till Aragon. We'll see what the plan is in <laughs> Phillip Island. Well, we got to Aragon, and holy Jesus! Yep, yep, it's over, gentlemen. It's over. I'm calling it. It's over. <laughs> It's Vince Carter doing the honey dip. It's it's all over, folks. Like honestly, it's it's rough. I mean, again, from pole position, it was a new all-time lap record from Bautista in qualifying. I won forty-nine-zero, and then from that point on, was I mean, to be fair, Jonathan had to really work hard in race one, given he had to start from tenth on the grid um, due to a late yellow flag. Leon Camier hitting the deck on that one, but uh, yeah, uh, there's. This is like it's it's almost sad that we're going to be talking about the politics of this more than the races itself because the races were all solid. If you care a lot about who finished in second, yeah. whoa whoa, be- <laughs> care about who finished in the second? Something's don't change, right? Never. Hmm? Sorry, King. It's only fun if it's for the win. <laughs> F one taught me that. Oh, crap. <laughs> I could tell, Dre, that this has been... You've been wanting to talk about this for a, for a few days, haven't you? Uh, I mean, it's it's probably going to be in video form weekend or, you know, like like early next week at the latest. Um, because people have been asking me to talk about this. Um, because I'm like the World Superbikes guy. And um, 
obviously due to my bike live experience that comes in handy because I've been watching the series hardcore um, for the last five or six years now. Like I got back into it around 2012 sort of time. Um, and yeah, as King puts the Wikipedia Championship board um, in the in the Discord chat, you could, you could see a, a bit of a pattern here. Um, <laughs> Bautista is in gold on the entire row for winning all nine races, but that's the other interesting part beneath it. Jonathan Reyes finished second in all nine races so far. Bautista has literally the minimum possible championship lead after nine races, um, given that he's what he's literally ran the table so far. I mean, Assen is probably the last real smoking test that we've got left here, in the sense of if Bautista wins all three at Assen, it really is over. Jonathan has, I think, won at Assen, I want to say, 10 times in his career. Um, it's arguably his strongest track, but it is also a track that tends to be another equaliser, a bit like Phillip Island, mm. where, you know, they, they tends to nullify a lot of certain particular manufacturers' advantages and strengths. It brings the field into play, and it tends to make for exciting racing. Phillip Island has a knack of this too. Um... If Bautista wins all three there, you might as well call it and go home. It's over. Like, like It might already be over. But what also makes this interesting is this is the first round that Dorna can now institute rev limits. Now, for those guys who don't know, because to be fair, a lot of people who listen to this don't watch World Superbikes regularly and have been asked questions about this. as like, Droll Dre, what's the situation here? Um, and I've not been watching Worlds. Has, has there been some sort of rule change? Well... Yes and no. <laughs> For those guys that are video fans, I guess you're getting an early preview of this video. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you guys lucky? Um, but uh, it's not so much as been a rule change. It's more, I would say, the perfect storm uh, of things that could kill a championship. You've brought in Avara Bautista, who was a criminally underrated GP bike rider in the first place. Uh, and MotoGP is probably a top, top 8 to 10 rider on the planet um, and hell towards the end of his time in MotoGP he filled in for Jorge Lorenzo at the factory Ducati team and rode very well especially in Phillip Island where he finished in fourth just fractions of a second behind his own teammate Andrea Davizioso who you now know is probably Marquez's strongest contender at the moment so Bautista was already in a good place and knowing that that was because going into Worlds did make it genuinely exciting. You know, Bautista, big name, going to World Superbikes, you know, good move. Shot in the arm for Ducati. Combine that with Ducati developing a Panagati V4, which, as the name suggests, V4 engine, very similar to MotoGP, where they also run V4 engines. A lot of their MotoGP technology going into this street bike and then homologated for racing series like this one. Yeah, these are basically like road legal MotoGP bikes by this point. Not looking at you, Honda. Hmm. <laughs> More on that later. But um, yes, like the the Panagardi V4. I mean, if you look at it, particularly the Speciali version, which came out a couple of months ago, two hundred and twenty-five horsepower on a road legal superbike. That's mind-boggling numbers. That's only about. 30 or 40 less than what these bikes are producing right now. That's more than my car makes. Yeah. They don't give away official figures. I mean, rumor has it that the, the MotoGP bikes are chump, pumping in about 300 right now, which is just 
mind-boggling, but superbikes have got about 250. This is from what I've been told by people in the know. It's about 250 horsepower. And a V4 that's got MotoGP tech in it, a ton of power, a, an engine that can rev to 16,300 revs, um, which is a lot more than the old Panigale did because it was a brute of an engine that could have rev to about 12,000. Um, this is going up to 16 and a half almost. Um, and winglets, because street bikes need winglets, right? For aerodynamics. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. All manufacturers homologate their superbikes for racing. We're not stupid. Kawasaki did this too. They basically lowered the... They, 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 actually, they, they actually increased the amount of revs that their road-going ninja was producing so they don't get hurt so much this year because of, obviously, Jonathan Race ending last season with 11 straight wins. Kind of a problem. Um, but Ducati are better than this than anybody else. So you've got a ridiculously busted V4, a genuinely world-class pound-for-pound motorcycle rider on it who also has actual experience racing with V4s, something that no one else in the superbike field has as, as terms of actual real-world experience. And this is what you get. <laughs> Bautista winning all nine races so far this season, and Jonathan Ray, who is still probably the best of the rest right now, although not by a massive margin, he's still got enough quality to win. Um, it was, um, it's been terrifying, um, and Ray has got nine straight second places alongside him. It's kind of funky. So, what can they do about it? Well. What happened last year was interesting after Aragon was that Jonathan Ray had was still leading the championship, but he had a fleet of strong Ducatis behind him. Marco Melandri, Chaz Davies, and Chavi Forez, who was on the Barney satellite team. Same bike, pretty much the same in every way, just lots quite as many resources. What they did was they took they they took the rev limits that they had in the field. Dorna gave 250 revs back to all the other major rivals in the field, Kawasaki, Yamaha, etc. And then Ducati didn't win a race for the rest of the year. They probably went too far with it, and then by the time that Kawasaki had fixed the issues of their bike to make it a bit more front-heavy and to just make it a bit better in general... What happened then was that Jonathan Ray won 11 consecutive races, but they didn't put rev limits back in place because they thought Tom Sykes wasn't doing well enough to justify chopping revs off it. And now we're kind of in the same ballpark now because mm. look at the Ducatis in the championship now. The next nearest Ducati is Chaz Davies in seventh place. A man that's only had two podium finishes and two, and basically three races inside the top five. At a track year. he's at Seldad, at, but he's yeah. nowhere in Batista's ballpark on the same bike. Yeah. For put it into perspective, Charles Davis was 15.6, six seconds in, in the sprint race, and then another seven seconds behind Bautista on the same bike in the same conditions. At a um, track he loves. On a track that he has won multiple times in the past, arguably Chaz Davies' strongest track on paper, besides maybe Imola, and that's about it. Um, Eugene Laverty, further down the field in 13th. Um, again, same guy in a Panagardi V4, as has Michael Ruben Rinaldi, who's, who's with the Barney team this year. He's 11th. So now you've got a very difficult situation here. Bautista is clearly on a busted bike rider combination here. He's miles better than everybody else. He's destroying everybody. 
and he's going to kill interest in the champion if this keeps up. The problem with that is that all the other Ducatis are still struggling to adapt to this new motorcycle and not are not able to untap its full potential. In the middle of that, you've got Jonathan Ray, who will absolutely benefit directly of this if they nerf that Panigale V4 in the first place. And we all know Jonathan Ray likes to win in World Superbikes, and he probably will if that Ducati is brought down enough. So what the hell do you do? <laughs> this is... Ugh. This is messy. There is no easy answer here. At all. It's like... This... You know, at a fundamental level... A problem with the championship. Where you have some guy who... Is... Basically... Has taken off a weighted jacket. They've, you know... These superbikes are effectively MotoGP light bikes, and he's been, you know, has years in experience with fully developed prototype bikes. He goes into something that's derived off of that. He has far more experience than anyone else with this type of machinery. So he's, it's, it's almost like this shouldn't have been allowed to happen. Yeah, something went badly wrong in the scrutineering process, and now there's no easy guide. I mean, as Cam's pointed out in our Discord before, and I agree with him, taking revs off Ducati is probably not going to solve the problem. Ducati would probably find some sort of workaround to make it work. Unless you took, like, a thousand revs off them, which would be probably too extreme a move. I don't think mere rev limit changes are going to do it on this one. Mm. And you, you could give everybody their concessions back, but that also could be a problem. Um, so what do you go from there? Yeah, it's uh. it's almost like it's almost like you should put riders who have say more than 3 or 5 years of MotoGP experience in a different concessions category than the rest of the field. And that's just it. Bautista is a brilliant bike rider. Like People thought it was just mediocre. Bautista's a world-class motorcycle racer and has been for over a decade. Mm-hmm. He had over 200 top flight top flight races. Like, this this isn't no scrub. It's not like Carol Abraham's come over. He already tried that and failed. Like, this is a world-class racer right here. He's been put on a bike with, that... That he is going to be able to get to grips with faster than anybody else, it, with a manufacturer that developed the bike almost specifically to win series like these. Hence, why I've always said it's kind of a perfect storm, um, and I don't know if there's an easy solution to it. It's it's a problem. It's it, it's you can't compensate for Rock Lee dropping the weights <laughs> in the fight against Gara, just like you can't compensate for how good Alvaro Batista is doing right now. It, it, it's something that they could fix, but now's not the time. It's something that you'd have to look into in the off season after this year's over. Yeah, as Cam says, there's nothing that can be done about making a blatant fuck you Ducati change, like and. I just say as well, it's probably a really bad look for the series um, in general because, I mean, Worlds has kind of had daddy issues for quite some time trying to generate its own brand of stars because, I mean, for a short history lesson, not too long ago, Worlds was the premier motorcycle bike series. Only about That was only about 20, 25 years ago. You had guys like Carl Fogarty, Troy Corsa, Noriyuki Haga... 
etc. You had the world's best motorcycle races in that series. You even had the second wave of that with Colin Edwards and Troy Bayliss. But, but then, that's that's kind of the issue. World Superbikes has not been... World Superbikes has always had its stature based on who's riding in it, not the championship itself. Yeah, and some cynics mm. would point out the World Superbikes has had its status extended str- because nothing can threaten MotoGP's place on the top. Not anymore, not since the rise of Valentino Rossi and, and, and four strokes and then prototypes. Like... It, and that's the thing. I I agree with guys like James Whitten, who works for Eurosport, who said superbikes absolutely should have a place in 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 bike in bike racing scenes because those are the bikes you can actually go out and buy mostly. If you like, if you want to see a MotoGP bike, a prototype that's got three hundred horsepower and can corner at ninety miles an hour on even the slowest of tracks, you watch MotoGP. If you, but the problem is with that is that no one's buying superbikes anymore because they're unaffordable no. and they don't justify the cost. So it's it's another problem with the series is that the bikes aren't really relatable as much anymore. And as RJ alluded to, all the big talent has gone down the world superbike ladder in recent years. Only a couple of exceptions like Frankie Morbidelli and Danilo Petrucci. And like I pointed out, these are effect, effectively GP light bikes. They're they're so far removed from production machinery that like again when they when they offer them to the average consumer they're absorbently overpriced yeah i think i heard a point like super sport bikes with a lot less displacement and a lot less development in them are about as quick now and they're much more road relevant yeah people still buy i mean okay not so much 600s the most relevant racing series on two wheels right now is probably super sport 300 People are actually buying the 300s because they're more affordable. People aren't buying 600s and 1,000cc superbikes anymore. Like, like if, if, I ran, if I ran the World Superbike Championship, a part of the homologation rules is I'd probably set uh, a, a cost cap on how much your production bike can cost an average consumer. Mm, and, and that's... And that's part of the problem, I mean, as, as Cam points out, Honda's Firebird is $20,000 and I know that Ducati's Panigale V4 is something close to I think 40 or 50 um, no one is spending $50,000 on a bike outside of collectors these days, they, like it's just there's no market for it and then when, and then when you want to put it in a racing series, if, if, if no one's buying it, Ducati might as well go well, let's just, let's just fucking make it a race legal superbike, you know, and like I said, it's the perfect storm of drama, and it gets us to this point. And it's it's ugly. It's ugly, to say the least. And uh, there's no easy fix on that one. And as, as, as King alluded to, it's probably not going to happen till after the season now. Um, I, I don't know what they could do this season that could be considered fair. They might have to just let Bautista win this year's title and then maybe start over next year. Um, and basically stripped the rules down. Because we all know, Superbikes has basically been their plaything for quite some time now when it comes to things like reverse grids, concessions, standardized ECUs. It goes on. And now we've got, obviously, the sprint race format um, and, and, and whatnot. You know, so they've 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 been willing to experiment to try and make this work, to try and differentiate it from MotoGP. And it's with mixed success, shall we say. And now this situation has happened where one bike is now completely busted in the context of Bautista and everybody else. 
Now what do you do? It's... 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 It's not easy. It's not easy at all. And there is a... Uh, there's no easy solution to that now. And uh, no. I don't know what's going to happen next. That's the saddest part. Um, but hey, who knows, right? And as Steve points out, $65,000 for a Panagale. <laughs> <laughs> who is spending sixty-five grand on a bike? And the crazy right? thing is, they, if you look at any advertising material for the Panagale, pretty much most of it points not towards World Superbike, is that... A lot of the technology in the bike is derived from their MotoGP bike. Because they're, of course, because they're, they're doing so well in that series. Davizioso's kind of made them relevant again. They had Lorenzo on the pack. Like, they're, they're, they're the best of the satellite runners with Jack Miller and Baniaia. And, of course, you know, it's, you see, that's why it's easy to sit there and just go, yeah, let's just, let's just rip, let's just, let's just rip the GP bike. As, as Cam points out, it's basically a pure homologation special. Like Honda's RC two one CVS, which is only like the only problem is that's one hundred and eighty grand and was ridiculously overpriced. But hey, what do I know? <laughs> but you know, the series has got some problems, and I'll probably talk about it a little bit more in a video blog at some point in the next week or so. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not ideal to say the least. I'm not even going to run down the championship. You know what it bloody looks like, <laughs> uh, quite frankly. It's Bautista one A, Jonathan A one B, and then there's everybody else. Shout out, and then shout below out to them Lowe's. is Honda. Yes, uh, they just happen to be here. Then well, I don't think Leon Camier is. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kianari's just happy to be here at this point, racing an 11-year-old Fireblade, because it has to to fit the regulations. I've got nothing. I've got nothing for you at all. It is, uh, oof, it's rough. So, uh, yeah, Dorna, um, good luck with that one, um, to say the least, um... You have fun with you have fun trying to figure that shit out. Because, yes, remember uh, to tweet all your suggestions at Lewis Sutterby twenty three. Oh dear! As, as Jason points out, hashtag super dumpster fire. Oh dear! Uh, but uh, hey, at least the racing's fun if you care about second place. Um, so, you know, again, I'll save some of the talk for the video, but uh, oof. There's a lot to untangle in that. But hey, what do I know? Shall we get into the, in the nudes? Sorry, news, I should say. <laughs> yes, send, send news. Send, send news, everybody. We're here for all of it. RJ, tell us about the Dutch GP rumors fresh out the oven. Okay, uh, this... Uh, apparently, we're we're close to the Dutch Grand Prix returning in 2020. A five-year deal was reached with officials at Zandvoort. This has not been officially confirmed by any sources um, just as of yet, but it seems like we're getting pretty close to the return of a, of a Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. And not Assen. Yes, the the strong rumor is that it'll be at Zandvoort in the spring to avoid any, you know, clash of, uh, avoid any attendance clash with the Belgian Grand Prix, and the rumor is that if, if Liberty Media can't get a deal together with 
the Spanish Grand Prix that pretty much they'll just slot Dutch Grand Prix right into the Spanish Grand Prix space in the calendar. Yeah, again, uh, this is not official yet because Jan Lammers, who's the chief representative for the event organizer, said this is still premature. They're on the right track, but it's still rumors. It, nothing's yeah. confirmed yet. Wouldn't a lot of work have to be done to make that circuit grade one and raceable? Yes, which is kind of the the the, the speculation is that it'll host a first race in 2020. I highly doubt that, but but. I, it would it would require some work to you know make it grade one a standard. Besides, you know the track itself, uh, the media center, and hospitality would need to be improved. Yeah, I could see some areas of opportunity here by turning some of these grass uh, natural grandstands into you know actual grandstands that could be upcharged for the fifth of twenty thousand Verstappen sections. <laughs> oh God. Not, not to mention we've got to fit in the Red Bull nuclear power plant in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> just like a fucking, I just, I just see like just, just like a, like a half scale Battersea power station in the background in Red Bull colors. <laughs> yeah, this is just here to purely power Max Verstappen's ego. Um, <laughs> Strike while even, the iron's hot. <laughs> yep. Quite frankly, that's I mean, their business model. <laughs> why not, right? Why not? I say. I mean. Zandvoort, I mean, great historic circuit, great legacy of F1 in the in the past, but uh, only half an hour away from Amsterdam. Ooh, weed and hookers sounds fun. Um, it's it's legal across all of the Netherlands, right? Still, you're not flying anywhere. You're not flying anywhere else in Holland now, are you? Let's be real here. <laughs> it's like let's check out that part of the Netherlands. No, we're going to Amsterdam. Like let, let's let's not beat around the bush here, King. No. Am, am, am I wrong here? <laughs> exactly. It's Amsterdam. You know it, I know it, and that's how it goes. <laughs> but, uh, yes. Anyone for Whedon hookers? No? Okay. <laughs> no, I think I think weed, um, definitely not um, sponsor-friendly, but you know what is? Electronic <laughs> cigarettes. Oh, God. Alonzo has a vape sponsor! Oh, no. <sighs> yeah, Fernando Alonso's car for the Indy 500's been revealed. It's pretty much a copy-paste of the F1 livery, but on an IR18, and it's number 66 to honor uh, Mark Donahue, one of McLaren's former drivers. Um, and, of course, it has sponsorship from Views, electronic cigarettes along the side of it, along with the Surgeon General's warning over the top of the logo on the side Oh, pods. for God's sake. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> Hashtag vape mower. Vape mower. Hashtag we get it, you vape. Um... <laughs> Oh god, that sounds like fun. Um, although it is a very pretty, it is a very pretty looking car. No, it is very pretty. Like uh, the the current McLaren paint scheme is, it looks really nice. I I think it it'll look better in person than in renders, but you know, it's it still got to grow on me. I, I I love it. I I can't lie. I love orange. I love blue. I love the color scheme. I love the combinations. I can't stand it because it's a bloody McLaren. I've got to think it's really nice and it's going to stand out on the track. And but but from a legislative standpoint, how good is that Surgeon General's warning when the font is so <laughs> small and the car is going to be going over two hundred miles an hour? 
Yeah, you might as well have put a giant light that says fuck me on it for all the good that would do. <laughs> like, seriously. I, mean, like, it's, I, 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 I don't understand it. It's, uh... It's it's not it's it's not great, but you know it's very nice. It's it's a very pretty car. It's a very if you don't livery. if you don't care for views, there is also husky chocolate. <laughs> what is this husky chocolate I've been seeing on the back of the McLarens? So it's quick. Uh, it's I believe a Finnish company that produces uh, chocolate drinks. So they Ooh. sell bottled cold chocolate, and they also sell uh, you know. Well, they they license out hot chocolate machines to. to it's like marketed hotels, as the cafe. ultimate chocolate drink for adventure and expedition. Oh come on now! <laughs> for adventure and expedition. Oh right, yeah, yeah. We're the travelers' chocolate. <laughs> we deliver a world leading hot chocolate solution. Hot chocolate solution. Yes, Jesus. it is literally a solution tray that they ship to to cafes, ski lodges, and. And the like, yeah. This is like oh. the this is like the ultimate hot chocolate or cold chocolate for your Yeti cup. <laughs> for your Yeti cup. Oh, oh god! In other words, it's a chocolate company for like pretentious traveling dudes. That's what <laughs> that is. Pretty much, and you know, some actual travelers and out- adventurers. <sighs> Typical. The only is this is a vintage McLaren sponsor. That is <laughs> vintage like- McLaren. That is like just the right level of pretentious shit coming out of that camp. But I think this would also be the perfect slot to talk about all the livery changes that will be upcoming in the in the NTT Dana IndyCar series. Do tell. So uh, this upcoming weekend at Long Beach, uh, Myers Shake Racing will run an Acura livery. Yeah, not just an. It'll be an Acura throwback livery to some of their uh, factory sports cars and their 1994 IndyCar. Yep, and Colton Herta's uh, Colton Herta's Harding Steinbrenner car will feature a King Taco livery, and King Taco is willing to give out free tacos if Colton Herta wins at Long Beach. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's go, Colton Herta! Oh, apparently Cam's here to ruin my nostalgia boner and tell me that it's just the uh, it's basically the same Meyer Shank livery but with more Acura decals on it, which is fine. I like that color. It's it's fun. It's, it's just a lighter shade of pink. That's what that is. And in May for the Indianapolis 500, Jordan King will be sponsored by Rich Energy. <laughs> oh dear, it. fucking <laughs> RJ, why are you endorsing this shit? <laughs> we're trying to get. We're trying to line up sponsors for for Dave Classics for Fort's sake. Yep, if Rich Energy are willing to sponsor the Day of Classics, I will chill out. Oh, God. Although, I do want one of their, one of their jackets. They are very nice. <laughs> I can't lie. As a fashionista, I, I, I like the jackets. The black and gold is a good mix. How fuck with but black and gold? I, I fucks with black and gold, for sure. Um, but uh, I'm not so sure about where their money in their 91 million cans are coming from. But but hey, what, again, what do I know? It's a perfectly <laughs> fine energy drink. I don't know where they're getting this money from. <sighs> energy drink companies, I despise them. Any more King I don't know about yet? Oh, uh, no, that's pretty much covers everything. Yay. So, getting back into the list real quick. Um, yes, I'm here to talk ladies. about. Uh, I'm here to talk about uh, Katsuaki Kubota, who is the chairman and founder of Planets Holding Incorporated. 
Um, he is important because he's going to drive a McLaren 720S in this year's Suzuka 10 hours. Looks like I'm from dude, some dude from Finland. Yeah, Wait, some dude from Finland. Wait, hold up. I'm no that that can't be Mika Hakkinen. Huh? It's, it's you mean over. 1998 and 99 double Formula One world champion Mika Hakkinen? Yep. It's over. The sabbatical is finally over. I mean, apart from the years where he raced in DTM and did that one. <laughs> one. Shut up! <laughs> Kill him! <laughs> Mika Hakkinen's gonna drive the Suzuka 10 hours this August 25th. He's gonna drive a McLaren 720S. That is so gangster. Oh I, my I, 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 All of this, all, all of that sentence made me moist. Mika Hakkinen <laughs> driving a McLaren 720S? Not everywhere. Yeah, Oof. apparently it started, he did some demo laps around Suzuka at some fan events and decided, hey, I, I might want to get back into this. And we've remarked before, Mick Hackett still looks great for his age. Yep. <laughs> he really does. Like the, like, the old school Finns just don't age. Yeah. Also, keep an eye on his co-driver, Hiroki Ishiura. He won the Suzuka 1000 a couple of times, and he's a two-time Super Formula champion, most recently defeating the likes of Pierre Gasly and Felix Rosenquist in a typhoon shortened 2017 season. Very nice. I mean, Arthur, you, you alluded to this, and give give the viewers at home a, a, a sneak preview, but you're basically saying this is now borderline becoming an all-star race for, for drivers like how the Suzuki 8 hours is for bikes. Yeah, uh, in some respects, and, you know... You know, the FIA wants to make the Macau GT World Cup that, but of course, it's it's kind of a mess every year. Um, mm. But this could really fill the void. I mean, Bathurst is Bathurst. Spa and the Nürburgring have a lot more history. Suzuka, you know, it's, it's in its second year of the Intercontinental GT Challenge. And, you know, it kind of has to fill some void other than just being the Asian leg of the Intercontinental GT Challenge. And I gotta say, if they can keep pulling dudes like this out of the woodwork, and uh, of course they have a big cash prize to pay to all the teams, it's it's looking solid. And I'm curious to see who else they pulled in. You know, Duichi Wakasaka, one of the Super GT legends, is going to be driving the new Porsche 911 GTR with his brother, and he's trying to get his old Super GT co-driver Andre Lauder to tag along with him. As you do. <laughs> yeah, as you do. But man, Mika is back. It's the return of the hack. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful phrase in there. And uh, guess what, guys? He's going going and following RJ's very own Super GT World on the Twitters. Yes, that's at Super GT World for those of you who wish to follow. By the time you're listening, you'll probably be watching or following in to the Super GT opening round. But we'll talk about that in the week ahead, literally goddamn everything edition. But I want to talk about... Someone in the World Superbike Paddock had a weird weekend. <laughs> Very strange weekend. We're not here to talk about World Superbikes. We're here to talk about World Supersport. We're here to talk about Hector Barbara. Yeah, and I have to say a huge shout out to uh, our friend our friend and yours, Greg Haynes, for this. The man, the myth, the legend that is Bike Live legend Greg Haynes. Um... This is a tweet he put out on April like on eight, again. This is this is a t- this is a tweet he put out today at four p.m. April 9th. Um, actually no, actually no, actually I gotta go back a bit. I've got the wrong tweet. Give me just a second. I'm gonna go back and find it. Give me just one second here. Yeah. So and... Hector Barbara didn't race uh, this weekend. As it turns out, there are extenuating circumstances, and then 
And you pull a thread, and the story just kind of unravels from there. Yeah, like, basically, for those guys who don't know, um, Hector Barbera races for Team Toph in World Supersport. It was a new move for him to go over there and race in World Supersport this year, right? Now, yeah, because we, we shouldn't get into why he's no longer in the series he is. He wasn't last year. Um, drink driving, folks. Um, he was properly sacked from his Moto2 team, the Pond's Moto2 team for that. Um, he was uh, basically sacked um, for drink driving and then was replaced by Augusto Fernandez, who has done very good work for him um, in there. Now, this tweet has since been deleted. So it might only be hearsay at this point, but um, it's worth pointing out that at the time they said that after leaving Team Toph, they like like basically, but Barbara rocked up on Sunday morning ready to race, but the bike wasn't there. The bike had literally been stolen. Where was the bike? It just went gone. Um, it's all sorts of crazy. They, they claimed the bike was stolen. Um, and they also, Team Toph, may or may not have said that Hector Barbara was prime suspect. <laughs> Hector Barbara do crimes that do not involve assaulting your partners in a hotel room. Oh, no. It was Allegedly. Like, you stole your own race bike? You stole your own race Allegedly, I have to, obviously. I have allegedly. To say, I, we have to say allegedly, but um, yeah, it's uh, Imre Toth, the team manager, explained that during the night yesterday he received a strange message from, from Hector Barbara saying that he did not want to ride the motorcycle already in the morning at first hour when arriving at the box, the Yamaha R6 was not there. I understand that the bike was not there, he could tell the media he cannot drive. Toph said about the reasons for the absence of the motorcycle, which, while stressing that Barbara was the most talented driver with whom he'd worked with. I got in touch with Dorna, who told me to put the matter in the hands of the police, as we have done. Yeah, like... That seems like a greatly escalating a situation that didn't need to be escalated that far if you didn't want to race. There are easier ways to get out of participating in a sporting event than to steal your own equipment. Just just call just call him with the man flu. Say you were playing yeah. tennis too hard with the Montoya strategy. Flip a golf cart like Paul Tracy did. Whatever the fuck. Just, just like I, pick a bar fight or something like that. And that and the craziest part is is that two days after not racing for Team Toph and being let go by the team, he's replacing Leandro Mercado for the next round of World Superbikes at Aston next week. Failing upward! Oh Barbara do crimes! <laughs> Not like genuine God. assault crimes. <laughs> but do other crimes that are funnier to talk about. How? How? I I don't know. I've I've got nothing <laughs> for you here, but uh yeah, as we named it in the set list as Hector Barbara's Weird Weekend, um, pretty much sums it up. Um, I was baffled when I read this story. But, uh, you know, apparently Barbara hasn't stolen it, but uh, somebody did. They're, like, those bikes are missing. So, um, goodness knows how we get to this yep. point. Wow, but. just someone someone steals your race bike. Someone on your team thinks it's you. You get fired. You get hired. At a better job. How is this possible? Stealth rating 97, <laughs> speech 80. 
Got to buff up those sincerity points, pal. <laughs> no kidding. So, shall we get into the week ahead before we get out of here? Yes. <laughs> yes. Because uh, we have quite a big week of motorsport, weekend of motorsport, I should say, up, up and coming uh, for this weekend. Um, first up, Formula 1's, and I say this in inverted commas, 1,000th race um, at the Chinese Grand Prix this weekend. Um, I know there was a lengthy thread on Twitter doing the rounds. How this isn't um, the 1,000th F1 race technically speaking i hate that take it is a terrible take like yeah that is that is enjoy the moment don't, man don't don't be a know-it-all don't don't be that wait guy. wait wait hold on a fucking minute did i just hear ryan eric king of all people say Do don't know, be a know-it-all do you know how pedantic it is to be like this upcoming race isn't the a thousandth f1 race King, this sounds like it's right <laughs> up your alley. I've got to be honest with you here. No, <laughs> it is the worst take. It is the worst take. Because, oh my god. It it pretty much boils down to the point where uh, uh, people who, who have this take don't see the years the... The Indianapolis 500 was a part of the world championship as quote-unquote Formula 1 races, and they also don't see the two years that the world championship... In 1952 and 1953, those years th- they were run to F2 rules, so they don't see those races as being F1 races. Despite, despite pretty much anyone feels like the term Formula One and the Formula One World Championship is synonymous now, so any World Championship race might as well just be a Formula One race. Yeah, if you think about it, every Pontiac Grand Prix that rolled off the lot in uh, in Michigan should be considered a Formula One Grand Prix. <laughs> official official Grand Prix racing car. Yes, very much so. I mean, I completely agree. It's just totally pedantic. I hate the take. It's a thousandth race. Shut up and enjoy things, for <laughs> God's sake. And hey, Ferrari might win this one. Yay? And they're 40 oh, miles. They're 40 Cam clicks up the on the straights. Cam in the chat. That's something that... That's something... All the engine has to do is last 50-some-odd trouble-free laughs. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) I think think Cam has inadvertently upset the entire show um, at this point, (laughs) which is fair. Um, So, uh... Okay, but but yeah, back on track. Chinese Grand Prix happening this weekend. It is the 1,000th Formula One World Championship Grand Prix. Yay. Um, Hamilton wins. Lol. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I hope for a fun and entertaining race because China has a knack of producing better than average Grand Prix a lot of the time. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Ferrari has a chance. Well, both their drivers are listed as equal favorites for the win with the bookies. So they, like, they're, they're on the Ferrari wagon. Like, Lewis Hamilton's, like, almost two and a half to one right now. Galaxy brain, Red Bull takes a back-to-back like Tiger Roll at the Grand National. Hey! <laughs> Very good, RJ. Very good. See, I've been following what you've been up to this weekend. I'm sad. Yes. I'm sad that my bad uh, hoof-hearted uh, did not take the victory. <laughs> That's an old horse racing joke from the States. I, w- oh, I wanted God. I wanted the cloud to win just just for the memes. I wanted the um, eighteen horse at Schenectady to won Belmont. <laughs> uh, I had money on American Pharaoh. It didn't go well. Um, 
<laughs> anti-post. Uh, but uh, yeah, we have that. We also have the second uh, high-class race at the Circuit of the Americas in three weeks as MotoGP heads to Marquez Land this weekend. Yeah. Is anyone is anyone thinking anything other than a Marquez win here? No. No. Not in his adopted home. It's at either this or Germany's adopted home. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's worth pointing out here, kids, for those guys who don't know, Mark Marquez has won every single MotoGP race at the Circuit of the Americas since his inception in 2013. Six in a row to this point. Um, so, uh, yeah, expect number seven, most likely. The fight for second again will probably be fun. But uh, if everyone in the championship, look out if Marquez has a problemless first three races, unlike what he had last year. Uh, that could be a problem. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm expecting Marquez. They need to name the goddamn last corner after him at this point because he's just so dominant. Yeah, Marquez deserves point. a corner named after him at this point. Yeah, yeah. like... He, he that that's his track at this point, even more so than Lewis Hamilton. They need to name a corner after him. I say the last one because that's a fun one, <laughs> basically. But uh, yeah, uh, expect a Marquez victory. Moto two and three are bound to be fun, given long straights and flowing corners. Should be fun. Um, just ex- don't expect anything super unpredictable in the top flight. Probably. Um, <laughs> IndyCar is at Long Beach. It's not Yay. the Toyota Grand Prix of Long Beach, it's the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach now, because Toyota finally realized, oh, we don't have a vested interest in this series anymore. Yeah, we should just leave. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just see ourselves out. Yeah, that's cool. Kura, it's, your, it's all yours. A lot of history, a little bit processional, but you'll have IMSA on the sport ticket as well. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a good, good value for money there. Yeah, I got no complaints. Only- only round in Southern California, so gotta gotta soak in that sun while we got it. Gotta get that LA media money. <laughs> got, gotta <laughs> gotta blast all the California reference songs out there. We 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 need another board a world class pass again, and hopefully it actually becomes legal this time. <laughs> it's still a pass in nice. my heart, damn it. Also, uh, uh, Jason wanted to remind me as well. Jason reminded me in the Discord about this. Um, a, no- a nice note about Kota at uh, uh, MOGP. They are retiring Nicky Hayden's number 69 that weekend uh, with one of his... With, I think his 2006 championship winning bike will be on display as well. Well, ooh, the 69's already retired in MOGP. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I meant. <laughs> Stop being so pedantic, King. Whoa, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> oh dear, I, I kid. But uh, apparently, apparently, Steve's going to be there. Nice, and have a great time. It's a very fun sport. Um, but um, yeah, IndyCar at Long Beach, a little bit processional. Let's hope someone other than Alex Rossi is at the front, so hopefully, he gets a bit more spicy. Unlike last year, he just curb stomped everybody. But uh, we've also got the Formula E has the E-Prix at Rome. The start of the uh, European Classic. Or the European off. Cup. That's and going it's, to be And it's, it is looking to be very, very wet. Really? Rain scheduled this weekend. Finally? <laughs> yes. The first wet we race? Finally? <laughs> <laughs> yes. watch, how it's, watch how it ends up bright and sunny the whole weekend now. Just you wait. Uh, according to... Pretty much all the full-time journalists in the series, and uh, one 
engineer that I know who works for a Formula E team. It, it is looking to be wet. The In terms of percentages, there's an 80% chance of rain during the race. Ooh. <laughs> We're bringing over the Glasgow weather generator. <laughs> nice. Glasgow weather generator. <laughs> Fun. So yeah, like, like I, I hope we get. I, I, I've always been wanting to see what these dudes, how these dudes would get along with a wet race. That is going to be so interesting with the instantaneous talk that these cars produce. So that's going to be so interesting. I, I, I please rain, please. I would <laughs> please. love, I would love to see it. Just, just out of my own curiosity's sake. That's bound to be fun. Um, also, RJ, tell us about Super GT. It's back this weekend for the start of the 2019 season at Okiyama International Circuit. It's a little Woo. bit dicey, though, which is, which I hate to say because, uh, the main channel, which you're used to watching Super GT on on YouTube, has gone under a rebrand if they're not sure as of time of recording if they'll have the rights to stream the races. Oh, no! But no. in case that oh. falls through... The series official YouTube channel will have the races up in full three weeks after they happen. Oh, I'm I'm optimistic they can get something together. I mean, they wouldn't go through the whole business of rebranding Nismo TV to Let's Go Racing without it. Also, Jensen Button's going to be there. Who doesn't love Jensen Button? Right. (laughs) It's a start. Oh God, we've got a we got a lot. We've got supercars at Phillip Island, super bikes at Assen, European Le Mans series at Paul Ricard, NASCAR at Richmond. There's too much we got, happening. We got Formula Renault Euro Cup. The split begins at Monza. We got drag racing mm. in Houston. <laughs> drag racing in Houston. We got block there is something in Monza. There is something for everybody this weekend. Literally everybody. Um, so there is no excuse. Go watch some motorsport this weekend. There's bound to be something you like. Everything. All the motorsports <laughs> is live. Go check it out and go watch it. And then report back next week for a for a 14-hour edition of the show. <laughs> um, Twice the length of this year's WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, I thought you were going to say half the length of this year's WrestleMania. Which the yeah, more that sounds fit. a bit more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should we get out of here, fellas? Yeah, let's do it. I think so. Yes, you can find us one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Again, check out the new video. Drave Logs is back. You know, me rambling about motorsport. It's a fun time for everybody. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. At Harrison101HD. At RJ O'Connell. And at Ryan Eric King. We're on our website, motorsport101.com, and on Patreon, if, if, you'd like to, if you'd like to back us financially on there, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to this show. $10 gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Shout out, big shout out as well to uh, Cam, to Jason, to Steve. And to Brian and Amber for all listening in live. Hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, Place again, fifteen dollars gets you a free T-shirt as well. Thanks to all our new backers as well. Much appreciated. It's been fantastic. Your support is well, well appreciated. I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Ryan King and RJ O'Connell. Good night and Batista bombs for everybody. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye.
ってね。